Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Brian Gibson, so great to see you. Hey, thank you for having me. It is certainly my pleasure. Uh, I've been looking forward to this, Brian. Um, as most people know, you know, I have uh, the military, the current servicemen and women and the veterans are near and dear to my heart. My dad was in the Air Force. He's since passed away. Um, anybody who gives sacrifice like you have deserves respect, accommodate, accommodations, anything possible. And we need to get the word out there. Uh, of the needs of of our veteran community, and I feel who better to have on than Brian Gibson. So thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Hey, uh, any chance I get to spread hope to my brothers and sisters, I jump on it. All right. Well, yeah, uh, you know, I'm trying to grow my platform, so my goal is to get more and more people to listen to your message. So you know, you know, Brian, we when we're kids, we're told, you know, if you do A, B, C, and D this way, you will get to X. And we're, we're really, it's a myth and we're sold a bill of goods that, that life is linear and we know it's not. God knows you've experienced a nonlinear path in your life. I would love to capture the essence of Brian Gibson for the audience and, and have them come through your journey of, of, of that, that defining moment in life where it, it kind of hit you and said, God, Brian, there's a better way to live and I'm going to start doing it. Can you take us as far back as you'd like when, when you recall that happening and take us through to where you are now and how it kind of molded you? Well, I got to go all the way back to <laughs> when I was 17 years old. Very fair. Okay. Uh, I come from a military family. Okay. We can trace our service all the way back to the Revolutionary War. In my family, if you're a male, it's kind of implied that you will serve your country. And now, I did a full 26 years, but it's, that's not required. Mm-hmm. Just one tour is what's required. Okay. Uh, defining moment in that there's a better life would probably be uh, after my first combat tour. Wow. And surviving that. You know, it was, wow, what did I just go through? There's got to be something better. And okay. that's where I started to take advantage of the education benefits and the travel benefits. And I actually served my country and expanded my horizons. I've been around the world about three and a half times. Mm-hmm. So that was the the essence of me. It's a ser- service related because A, I joined the army, but B, I'm, I was a combat medic. Oh, wow. Tell us, so what kind of training did you have to become a com, uh, combat medic? Uh, that was uh, 14 weeks at Fort Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's the home of the United States Army Medical Corps, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 17 years old, uh, I grew up in hospitals. My sister passed of leukemia. I'm sorry, okay. Well, you know, it happens. I know, I know. But they t- took me from this is the human body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? right and yeah all the way to this is a needle this is an iv needle this mm-hmm. you know all the right. everything you need to know and then at the end of that we went out and played pretend so we could pass all of our skill testing right and then you graduate as a combat medic okay well great well, then you get to your first unit. Mm, okay. And my direct boss was a medic in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he went, so what didn't they teach you? <laughs> and he taught me. Yeah, I understand that. You know, schooling is great, but experience and knowledge pass it on. Absolutely. Well, he instilled in me when I became a leader, same thing. When I got new soldiers, mm-hmm. well, what didn't they teach you? Right. So take me into um, the mindset you had prior to your first combat, you know, prior prior to that defining moment. And what was it like? Well, if you could walk us through uh, what, what it was like before you go into that combat because they taught you something before, but when you're really going into it and you're really experiencing it, I'd like like to, if you're willing to share what it was like, the reality of it. Uh, yeah. Learning, growing, you know, hitting the books, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. And we train as we fight, but that's still training. Mm-hmm. When the first bullet flew and that first call of medic oh boy that's when realization set in of whoa i got a life in my hands yes you know that was hey yeah i got a life in my hands how'd you uh respond i'm sure you can feel like you're right there right now um unfortunately yeah but how did I respond? My training kicked in my service, you know, that was the job I choose. Mm-hmm. So I jump up, I run over and I do what I do. I stop the bleeding, make sure he's breathing. I, you know, uh, that was my first tour. I had a few, I've had a few others. Yes. But that, same realization never changes when they holler medic right absolutely you know uh i've had battle buddies go doc do you know you ran through all that fire to get to so and so uh i guess Mm -hmm. i was just doing my job it's unbelievable. The I, I am so impressed and honored to have people like you, Brian, where 
where you, you, you did that on autopilot, really. You, it wasn't like thinking, oh, and I'm running through this. You had a job to do and it's a human life to save. And I, I can't even put myself in your shoes, obviously. <laughs> Take us through the rest of the, the rest of your career in the military, what you've learned and, and how you were able to take the wisdom from the experience combined with that knowledge and adapted to what you're doing now and who you are and how it how it kind of changed you. Well, going through the military, you know, you move up in rank, you get more responsibility. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how I developed my leadership style. Mm-hmm. I've had good leaders. I've had bad leaders. And I take from both to make myself better. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I go through 26 years. I leave as a sergeant first class, a senior non-commissioned officer. And unfortunately, those demons caught up with me. Okay. I self-medicated with alcohol mm-hmm. up until the point where I almost became one of those statistics of veterans dying by suicide all right Mm -hmm. uh again uh discussion yesterday i had was nations throughout history have sent good men and women to do bad things right you can hate war all you want but you can't hate the warrior (laughs) unbelievable true Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm almost getting ready to punch out and my phone rings and it was another veteran mm-hmm. said hey doc what are you doing tomorrow and I really had no plans Wow. and that led me down to an event that he was attending And a person, actually the pastor of a church, saw that there was something wrong with me and actually took the time. Everybody says, oh, he took the time to talk. No, he took the time to listen. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Wow. Yep. He took the time to listen. Mm -hmm. That's the whole key to people that react with veterans Mm -hmm. Uh, when I brief this mission and we do classes and I tell everybody you see veterans every day some wear the hat some don't I just gotta warn you when you say hey when you ask a veteran how's your day going be prepared to stand there for two hours Mm -hmm. Because you might be the voice that that veteran needs to hear to open up. This got chills, man. And and that's so true, the, the, the difference between listening and talking. Um, wow. What the gentleman who called you when you were ready to check out, what do you think about it at that time? And what do you think about that now? That call. Why do you think that happened? 
Well, at the time, mm. I guess it was my training. Okay. The medic in me. Mm-hmm. A brother was basically he hollered medic. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So training kicked in. Unbel- yeah oh my gosh it did it kicked in it kicked and, in wow so you go to the event and uh, you see him obviously and then when the pastor noticed something was wrong how 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 did he approach you so you knew he was there to listen and he just came up and Hi, I'm the pastor of this church. What, you know, you just started a conversation. What brought you down here today? And I told him I was here with my friend who was, you know, just starting to attend that church. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so did you serve? And yeah. And it just, I can't remember the exact words, but it all led to us sitting down by the river now, here's this big event at this pastor's church, and he took the time mm-hmm. to walk me down by the river, sit down with a cup of coffee, and say, okay, there's something bothering you, man. You want to talk? And that was it. And that was it. I got to let a bunch of stuff off and this person was non-judgmental yes you know he didn't say ooh ah no he just got it not led to me asking questions mm-hmm. okay you know that's part of being a good leader is listening to other people mm-hmm. so I asked the question. I got multiple combat tours. I've had to kill. There's no way God's going to forgive me. Then he broke it down. You're at war. You didn't do murder. It's a big difference. And that let a lot off my chest, my guilt, my, you know, uh, being a medic, having to make that call, who lives, who dies. Because that's triage on a battlefield. You have to, that's my job. Mm -hmm. Who can I save? If you want to send a message to the veterans out there who are struggling with the same things you were struggling and, and, and really not only a message to the veterans, but a message to people like, like me who are out there, a message to the veterans and a message to, to me, what, what we should be, not we should be, but what you recommend or strongly consider we do well for my brothers and sisters 
it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask for help. To the people, the civilians, the people that interact, because only 6.4% of this nation are veterans, right? So if you're interacting with a veteran, be understanding, you know? If they go to open up, listen. Don't be judgmental about what they did or what they saw. You know, listen. Educate yourself on where the resources are at. Right? As I tell all, all the people I interact, all the civilians, you don't need to be a subject matter expert. There's people out there that do it, but just educate yourself on, hey, where's the nearest VA hospital? Where's the nearest clinic? Where's the nearest organization that, okay, I'm talking to this veteran. They need help, but how, how do I get that? How do I get them that help? That would be my thing for my brothers and sisters and for the civilians. Well, thank you. And, you, and you know, that, that, that piece is that statistic you just shared 6.4% of the population are veterans. That to a lot of people or some people that may seem like a small number in outside of context in context, that's a huge number. And you guys, men and women, brothers and sisters, are not just a number. Yes. Uh, and that's what we got to get across. That, that well, no, it's just, it, they're human. Take, each one of you. Oh, God. Taking that context, right? Yeah. Let's go the other way. Okay. The nation. Mm -hmm. Veterans, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You want to know a really sad statistic? What? We, as veterans, make up over 20% of the suicides in this nation. That, that speaks volumes. And that's why what you the advice you gave civilians just now about listening and being be prepared to listen and not just be prepared, but actually listen is so important, Brian, because one of the, one of the things that we, and I'm, I, I'll, I guess I'll speak for the civilians that when I see a veteran, my first thing to say is thank you for your service. Now, when I say that to you, it could seem like a cliche, like, you know, just people say, oh, thank you for your service. And then they walk away. How does that make you feel if someone says that to you? And what are you compelled to follow up with? It all depends on the situation. Yeah. If that person is really genuine saying thank you for your service, I say, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, thank you for giving me a boost today 
But then you get people, you know, huh, thank you for your service. And and then I respond with a, hey, you're welcome. Why didn't you? Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. I love that. I love that. All right. So I wanna I wanna be able to to say something and be there for the veterans. So I mean, when I when I encounter a veteran and I and I do encounter quite a few, rather than me saying what everybody else says, what would be a good, uh, a helpful introduction of me to to a veteran so I let them know that I am here to lend an ear and I'll spend two hours by the river with them. Well, I know the shorter version is thank you for your service. Okay. How about this? I appreciate your service. Okay. That's words matter. That's impactful. Okay. I appreciate I, your service. Thank you. I will I will certainly do that. You know, we we serve mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to defend this nation. Yes. You know, again, as I said earlier, you can hate war, but you can't hate the warrior. If you live in this nation with the freedoms you have, mm -hmm. no matter no matter your views on it, you still have freedoms. Mm -hmm. I've been in countries where you say the wrong word, they take you out back and shoot you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So America's a great country. Yes. Oh, we need more people to say that because a lot of people aren't in realization what what the freedom that we have in this country is worth. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, I appreciate your service. I appreciate your service, Brian. Yeah. You know, that. And again, you might be that voice mm -hmm. using that phrase mm -hmm. that the veteran turns around and goes, hmm. Because it's not the thank you for your service. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's not the lip service. Absolutely. Uh, geez, I could talk to you all day. All right. So I got a couple <laughs> couple last questions um, before. Well, actually, you know what? I want to tell people what you're doing now, and then I'll get into the last two questions. I want to tell people what you're doing now in your profession that that you've been molded to do. Like, why? what are you what's your purpose now, Brian? Well, my purpose now is to bring hope to my brothers and sisters. Mm hmm. I am the founder and president of Project Die Hard. Our mission is to help my brothers and sisters with whatever we can. Uh, we are currently developing 20 acres in a 10,000 square foot building that was donated to us. When this property is complete, it will provide skill training, counseling, therapies, and transitional housing for 12 single veterans and two veterans with their families for up to a year at no cost. So what do you that's what I do now? <laughs> what do you what do you need to complete that project? What can the audience provide to help you complete? Because I know the project's not complete yet. Oh, it's not near complete. We need people to 
Find us on social media, projectdiehard.org is our website. You search Project Diehard 22 on Facebook. Uh, if you see behind me, you see the little guy saluting. Yep. If you see that logo, that's us. Okay. Okay. There's 45,000 veteran nonprofits out there. Right. Well, when you see that, that's us. And we are trying to bring back what a nonprofit should be. Mm. Okay. I don't take a salary. Mm. No leadership of this organization gets a paycheck. Okay. Our goal is 90% of all funds donated touching the mission of bringing hope to veterans. You know, with only 10% going to the admin cost. Yeah. So the uh, where are you located? Where, where will be the first of the... The first facility is in Macanda, Illinois. Okay. For those who don't know about it, and I didn't know about it, that Southern Illinois has a wine country. Did not know that. No. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that either. Wow. But we are nestled out in 20 acres of God's earth with a pond on it and hiking and walking trails and trees and birds. And uh, one of my people hate the geese, but I love them. They, <laughs> you know, they left for the year. They raise their young. They're done. But yeah. They come back every year. I love them. He's yeah. like, I hate those things. I'm like, dude, this is great. Yeah, nature, man. Yeah. Uh, but that's our first. All right. Because so, our our end goal is to place one in every state. All right. So we need 50. We're going to get 50 of these. We need the first one to be completed. So I know you need, it's not only money that will help you complete. You need the volunteer hand handwork and people to actually get dirty and, and finish. And so the people, the local people in Southern Illinois, they need people power, human power to actually help do the work. We need more and more people to be doing the work in addition to the money. Correct. Oh, again, we, yes, we, we rely on donations and volunteers. Okay. Okay. But if there's a, group of people that want to come from Pennsylvania come down to forward operating base rush and say, Hey, we're here to help. Then, Hey, you know, look, it's not the Ritz, but we'll give them a cot to sleep on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. It, it takes teamwork. Yes. And this is one thing I'm very adamant about. I want people to come to the facilities. Yes. I want them to put their hands on it to realize, hey, this is a real organization with real things. Mm -hmm. uh, as I told the committee when I'm in Frankfurt the other week when I briefed them, mm -hmm. we have the land. We have the plan. And we have the team. Join our team. Right. Come on board. Absolutely. And what I what I admire about you, Brian, is you don't just say what your philosophy is. You live it. Because I know you've told me that you've had opportunities for, for monies, but there were strings attached. 
and yes. you there's no strings you you're going to run a, a nonprofit the way a nonprofit was born to be run so if you want to elaborate on that please do or if what I Oh yeah off... this this property was donated to us in 2020 right in 2021 we had an individual come to us and say we i We'll donate $2 million to your nonprofit. But oh, here it comes. Here it right? comes. And mind you, we're, we will work. But when they said, you have to remove God from your mission, <laughs> I went, no. Unbelievable. Won't do it. Unbelievable. Obviously, that person didn't get it. I, Oh, Brian. Yep. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I, I did want that story to be told because um, this is the real deal, everybody. Um, Brian's the real deal. And um, ah, I'm usually not a, at a loss for words, but Brian, I admire you so much. Okay. So the last two questions I want to ask. So Brian, okay. you have an opportunity to sit down with young seven to 10 year old Brian, and you want to give him advice about life. What are you going to tell him? Don't wait. Seize the moment. A lot of things in my life, I waited to see how it's going to transpire. Probably missed a few good opportunities. So I would tell that 17-year-old, things are going to happen in your life. You're going to do good things. You're going to do bad things. But don't hesitate. Don't sit on the fence. If you're going to commit to do something, do it. I love that, Brian. All right. Change your hat. And you're now sitting down with young Brian, the businessman, entrepreneur. And you want to give him advice on business. What are you going to tell him? Build your team. Listen to your people. Don't compromise. Don't ever compromise your integrity. Build your team. Move forward. But remember where you came from. I love that, Brian. All right. So the audience has now captured the essence of Brian Gibson. And many, many, many are ready to reach out to you. Make it easy for them. How can we all find you? Projectdiehard.org. That's our website. You can reach us at contact at projectdiehard.org. Uh, we are here to answer any of your questions. Uh, our financials, you request them. It, it, um, the team automatically sends it to our accountant and you get them. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's the two ways you find us mm -hmm. and get a hold of us. If you want to join the team, contact at projectiheard.org. Everybody it. has a skill. Everybody has a talent. Yep. Let's see if you fit into this mission of bringing hope to veterans. I love that. Brian, I am 
so grateful you're in my life. Um, I, I didn't, I forget who, who actually introduced us because I, I like to give those people credit. So I'm going to, I have a spreadsheet here, Brian, before we end it. Sorry, everybody, but I want to find out and give kudos to whoever introduced uh, Brian to me. It was Tanya Legault uh, introduced the two of us. So I want to thank Tanya for this introduction. This is what life is all about. It's about connection. It's about collaboration. So Brian, again, I'm grateful you're in my life, my friend. This is one of many times we're going to talk. Um, I'm going to spread the word uh, about projectdiehard.org. Um, keep doing what you're doing. You're an amazing human being, and uh, we love you for it. Now, brother, thank you for this opportunity. But we're we're revamping our Monday Mission podcast, so you're going to get an invite real soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you all. God bless you. And Brian, I appreciate your service, my friend. God bless. God bless. Be well, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.